We are so excited that you're listening today. At New Hope Church, we are committed to making fully devoted followers of Jesus. This week, Pastor David is continuing our series entitled Summer in the Psalms. Summer comes with fun and great music. Whether it's the Beach Boys, Jimmy Buffett, or the latest music on Spotify, songs define the summer. This summer, we're looking at the ultimate playlist. The Book of Psalms was the main source of music for the people of God for thousands of years. It contains the ups and downs of people's faith. One thing remains constant. God is in control. Join us this summer on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. as we come together to understand what God has to say through the Psalms. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. I was about to ask, where'd my pulpit go? <laughs> All right. Good morning, New Hope. So it's the Sunday after VBS. Thank you so much, Megan. It's the Sunday after VBS. And uh, I, I no longer have a beard. And the haircut was not intentional. Um, but when she went over with the the, the clippers, it was too late, so I just had to deal with it. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. I really, really appreciate that. So VBS week is crazy. VBS week is full of ups and downs, and um, it just, I know I'm using the word crazy and chaotic, and, and that's what it is. Um, but to have that awesome week with all of these awesome volunteers, all of these awesome youth who are out serving, um, all these great kids who are out here hearing the word of God every day, that whole week poured into them. They're loved so well. I just want to really thank our volunteers from this past week, but also thank all the students for, for stepping up. Yay, thank you, Eston. Thank you. This will make more sense in a minute. Maybe. Maybe. But all throughout the year, not just during, during VBS week, we have so many awesome volunteers who serve back there um, all around who make sure that our kids are hearing the gospel, that they're, they're learning and they're, they're, they're getting plugged in and that, that their families are being integrated and brought in uh, and just welcomed here. That happens all throughout the year. It's not just during VBS week. And so I just want to thank all those people that make what I do so much easier. Because I can't do it by myself. I can't hold this by myself. Now, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Youth, you guys have kind of sort of heard this one. But a few months ago, the TV went out in the youth room. And I was, okay, like, how can I afford to buy a new one? How can I make this work? And, you know, God helped out there, and God made that happen. And, and so I went on Best Buy, and I was like, okay, like, this seems like a really good deal. Okay, like, I can, I can pull that. And so I bought a 65-inch TV for the youth room. And I had just bought another one for the, for the, for the kids' room a, a few weeks earlier, and we had managed to stuff that in our little, you know, minivan. And, uh, and so I thought, I, I'm just going to bring the church van over into Fort Myers, over to Best Buy. And I walk in, and, and, I, and I buy this. I buy it online, and I, go, I just go to pick it up. I just go to pick it up. And 
you know, they, they roll it out, and I go through the whole process and, and everything, and the girl looks at me, and she goes, okay, you can just pull your vehicle up front, and we'll help you load it in. I'm like, no, I'm good. I got this. I, I managed to fit the other one in, the, in, our, in our little minivan. I'm like, I can fit it in the church van. I, I, I can make that work. And so she's like, and she just gave me an, an immediate, like, are you sure? <laughs> I'm a pretty lanky dude, right? And so I, I immediately was like, I'm sure. I, I got this. I, I can take care of that. I, I can make this work. And so they, they put it on the cart, and the cart is about, the cart goes about to here, and the rest of it hangs off the end. So I'm just pushing the cart, and I'm pushing it through the parking lot and out the door, and it's wobbling. And everybody's giving me a look. Like all the big guys who are there to help are just like, come on, dude. And, and, I, and I sense it. I feel it. I know it. But I, I've, already, I've already said I can do it. I've already told them that I can do it. And so I'm, I'm pushing out there. And as soon as I hit that, that first, like, again, the incline might be like two degrees. As soon as I'm like wobbling, I'm, I'm going, I'm like, I can do this. And I push it out of the van. I open the van door. And then I realize how complicated this is going to be. And so for probably longer than I'd like to admit, probably 15, 20 minutes, I'm out there trying to lug this TV and fit it over the seats. Pull, I'm in there holding and pulling and grasping this box, and I'm, I'm lifting it up, and I'm holding it up. Like, and and I'm, picture me keeled over, like stretched over those seats in the van, trying to like hoist this thing by, by the straps up over the seats. And then I, I finally get it in. I, I finally close the door. And I'm like, good, good, good. And then I go to sit in the front seat, and I forgot that I had pushed the chair all the way to the front. My legs don't fit in that church van if the chair is pushed all the way to the front. So I had to start from scratch again and go back and do it again. Long story short, I kept pushing and going and knowing that if I would just swallow my pride for a second and reel it back in and say, hey, I need some help. Because how often do I go over there? How often do I see those people at that Best Buy? Not very often. But I thought I could do it myself. And it was the root of a, a deeper issue. It, it wasn't just me not wanting to look silly, because I already looked silly. I'm sure everybody was standing inside laughing their butts off at me while I was trying to pull this off, while I was sweating and, and pulling on it. And so I'm going to push this out of the way. There's not a TV in there right now, by the way. It's super light right now. Um, but I thought I could do it myself. And I drove away thinking to myself, what, what did I just do? How silly of me. Like, I know that they offered me help. They offered me help multiple times, and I just ignored it. I decided I didn't need their help. I decided I could do this on my own. Now, you might be tracking with me, keeping up with me right now, and understand that today's passage, we're going to be in Psalm 51. Psalm 51. It was all about appearing like I had it all together. It was all like looking like I'm 100% fine when I very clearly am not. And a lot of us walk into church on Sunday morning and we want to look like we have it all together especially as families, the chaos of the morning, getting ready, getting here on time. We still want to make it look like we have it all together. 
And so I am preparing for this message over this past month, and, and I'm just asking God. It's, it's been a while since I've been up here. The last time I was up here um, preaching a sermon, I, I moved the pulpit and I talked about change. I talked about what was coming. And I've joked a lot with, with Pastor Dave and, and with Ms. Chanel and with, with, with the whole team, and, and, I've, and I've said, I had no idea what I was saying. That, that God has worked and done some amazing things in New Hope over the past seven months. And it's because there's a team of people making things move. And it's getting used to that myself. Getting used to that in my own pride. Like, oh, hey, hold on. People are here to help. I'm not doing this on my own. And again, we always have awesome volunteers. We always have awesome people that are always working in the background. So I never want to make that sound like I've been doing this on my own for the past four years. That's not what I want to make it sound like. Because I know everybody's here to help, but sometimes we forget that people are here to help. We forget people are here to hold us accountable. So I'm going to read Psalm 51, starting at verse 1. David writes, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And sin, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be made clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. But God will break you down. Oh, sorry, wrong way, sorry. Verse 8, let me hear, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your own and your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. And so there's so much meat here. There's so much stuff to unpack. But I want to focus on what brought us to this psalm in the first place. Now, David, kids might know of David, like David and Goliath. Like, they think King David and Goliath and the, and the sling and stone. And the older you get, the more you understand about David and you understand his, his brokenness. 
You understand where, where he fell. You can't really avoid King David. The same way that you can't avoid the, the whole story of Goliath. You can't really avoid what happened with Bathsheba. And so this, this little bit right here at the very, very, very beginning of the psalm, where it says, To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. Now, Nathan, the prophet, had seen what David was doing, had watched everything go down with Bathsheba. And, you know, I'm going to keep this as rated G as I possibly can. But David took Uriah as his own when she wasn't. I mean, took Bathsheba as his own. It's a both and. Took Bathsheba as his own when she wasn't. He also took Uriah, too, but in a different way. Um, And he tried to cover it up. She was with child. He he knew what he was doing was wrong, but but he, he blocked it out. The further and deeper he got into his sin, the heavier it became, the less he felt like he could use any help. And so instead of going, going to help and going for help, like, hey, I messed up. I've, I've really messed up with Bathsheba, and we're in this situation now. He instead sends for her husband to come back from war and brings Uriah back to um, just to see what happens so he doesn't get suspicious of his wife being pregnant. But Uriah, being the man that, that he was, was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm meant to be out on the battlefield. I'm not, I'm not going to go sleep and rest with, with my wife right now when all my men are out there battling hard and, and they need me. I can't just be here resting and waiting and, and taking a break. I need to be back out there. And so David's plan to cover up his sin, to cover up his adultery with, with Bathsheba, it didn't pan out. And so instead of just giving up and saying, okay, I might as well just admit that things have messed up. I might as well just kind of go, go ahead and say, I've messed up here. No, no, he, he makes sure that he tells his army to put Uriah at the front lines. And Uriah is killed because of this. Like put him in the, the foremost, the hardest part of the battle because David knew that that would just get rid of that and, and that, that would cut it out. And so when Nathan is approaching David with his sin, Nathan comes at it with sternness, gentleness. Nathan tells David a story. And this is all in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Nathan tells David a story. And he says, this whole story is built around having David realize his own sin. The whole thing is a, is a parable for David to realize. And, and David, at the end of Nathan's story, goes, what? Like, there's no way. This is terrible. This is awful. And David doesn't realize that Nathan is talking about him. And Nathan has to point out, no, this, you did this. This is you. This awful thing that, that, that I'm giving a parable for, you just did this. Don't you see your brokenness? Don't you see the consequences? And Nathan just was upfront and gentle, but 
spelled out what the consequences would be. And so as we understand what the question is today, this whole psalm is about David's vulnerability. And by vulnerability, I I mean open and honest, prepared for being hurt, knowing that sometimes when we love and we're open, we're honest, we're going to be hurt a little bit. It's a C.S. Lewis quote that to love at all is to be vulnerable. And David's vulnerability before God in Psalm 51 was pushed by accountability, was pushed by Nathan coming to him and sharing with him his sin. Who knows if he would have really come forward and and repented had Nathan not been there to say, hey, here's where you've gone wrong. And not candy coat the consequence, but spell out for him where he had gone wrong. And so the question is, how vulnerable does God expect us to be with each other? When we love and in turn trust each other, we find ourselves vulnerable to loving correction and true discipleship. And what I mean by that is, I've had some hard conversations with youth and students. I've had some hard conversations with adults. And some of those hard conversations are spelling out, here's where we're messing up. Sometimes the hard conversation is them telling me where I'm messing up. And I need to be like, okay, yeah, I need help here. But when, when you're sharing with someone where, where they've messed up, you need to approach it with this, with the, with the right tone, at the right time, with a sense of like, truly showing that, that person that you're there to love on them and share with them how they can change or how you can work with them, how how you can bring them closer to God in this process. It takes the right attitude. You can't just walk up to somebody, and Nathan didn't just walk up to David, hey, you messed up, you're dumb, and you're just, this is it, this is over for you. That's not how it happened. And so I think of my son, um, my daughter went through this phase too, but, but Jesse, um, it was his birthday last Sunday, and he, was, he had been asking for a toy called a Toy Story robot that he had seen in a video, and he was obsessed with this Toy Story robot and asked us over and over and over and over and over again for this toy, and we probably bought a couple toys that were probably a little bit beyond his you know, age level, but he just wanted them, and we're like, you know what, like, we can work with them, play with them, but as parents, if you've ever bought a toy for your kid that wasn't quite for their age, you know how frustrating it is when they want to do it themselves, and they don't want your help. They want to play with their toys by themselves, and so Jesse was trying to get this Buzz Lightyear spaceship lodged in the back of this Toy Story robot, and and he was trying over it. It was so simple. The process was so simple. But he just kept saying, do it myself. Do it myself. Do it myself. And then during this whole experience, our frustration, his frustration, and, and I'm starting to realize I'm 
That was me with the TV, wasn't it? Do it myself. That's, a, that's appropriate for a toddler to be doing that. But how often do we as adults say, I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. I don't need help. We, we try and we try and we try to, to do it ourselves, but it's not just a kid thing. It's not just a youth thing. It's a family thing. It runs through all of us. And like I said, as families, we like to look like we have it all together. We don't like to show or reveal our struggles. But when we're hurting, there should be no better place for us to be, for us to come with our hurts and our struggles than here in our church. There should be no safer, more comfortable place to be when we're sobbing on the way to church and not wanting to go in. We should want to pour out and be vulnerable with each other. But that takes time. Some of you are new here. That takes time. You're not going to walk in and be vulnerable like on your first Sunday. I get that. But one of the things that I think New Hope is strongest about, one of our best traits is our ability to love each other through our hurts and struggles. I've seen it happen time and time and time again. It's happened for me. It's happened around me. And I've just watched it happen over and over and over again. We worry so much about appearing like we're okay, that we neglect to be honest with ourselves, with our family, and with God. We just toss it aside and say, no, I can do this myself. But this whole passage, Psalm 51, is built around David realizing that he can't do it himself. He was held accountable, and he went to God. How often are we held accountable does somebody come and tell us a hard truth about who we are, about where we're struggling? And uh, the phrase that Pastor David used with me, uh, we clap back. <laughs> That's a, you know, a millennial phrase, I think. We, we clap back. We, we have a retort. We, we defend ourselves first, and, and we come back with something, defending ourselves. And, and not that there's never a time for, for defense, but... Sometimes the right tone, the right attitude, the right moment, when somebody comes to us with some accountability, we need to take it and dwell it, hold on to it for a second, soak it in, and go pray about it. Praise our God for what he's doing through that, for how he's molding us and how he's changing us. Because the world reacts to correction and rebuke. And the world will look at church and Christianity, and, and this is just a common theme. They're so judgy there. They're just going to judge me. But here, it's, it should be comforting, loving correction. We help each other realize where we're broken and we get better. We, we progress. We grow closer to God through that process. And so, verse 3, David writes, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. 
My sin is ever before me. He knows that what he's done is going to echo through generations. What he's done is going to be heard for a long time. That's a consequence of what he's done. Generations of sin. Sin on sin on sin. So much so that even Matthew, in his genealogy in chapter 1, and you guys should know this, this pretty well because we go through it every Christmas, all these funny names in Matthew, and Matthew stops in his genealogy, and, and he kind of, he almost makes a pause in how he's writing this. In, cha- in, in verse 6 in, in, in chapter 1 of Matthew, um, he's talking about like, so-and-so begets so-and-so begets so-and-so, family, 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 so-and-so's father, so-and-so's mother, and he pauses, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. By the wife of Uriah. Now, that's where the, the consequences are, are layered on and echo throughout generations. And so, we always have to ask ourselves what we're passing on to our kids. How are we showing our young families how to be Christian families? If we hide it so much that nobody sees any brokenness, then nobody's ever going to connect. We're we're never going to mesh. We're we're never going to grow. And so verse verse 3, Psalm 51. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And jump to verse 6. Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being. So again, he delights in us just being honest with ourselves. Knowing that, that we've messed up, we have to be honest with ourselves. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And jump to verse 8 with me. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Broken bones are not fun. I have a stupid callus underneath my foot that I've been limping around with all week. <laughs> and, and, and that's just a piece of skin that hurts. But broken bones, I, I've broken some bones. I'm sure a good chunk of you have broken some bones or fractured or, or been in that pain. Exactly. I, I know it hurts. And so let me hear joy and gladness for the bones that you have broken. David's reaction is only a reaction of someone who knows that his God can forgive. Who knows that his God loves him and can grow him from this awful awful brokenness, this awful, awful sin. And so, verse 10, David writes, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Sometimes we come forward just to make ourselves feel better. Not to be clean from our sin before a holy God, sometimes we hide in our sin for fear of how people will look at us if they see it, thinking we can rid ourselves of it on our own. We can call your eye to the front of the battlefield. We can hide it ourselves. We can, we can stay away from it. God sees us, and we see it. We think of our sin and dealing with it on our, on our own. Today is the last day. This is the last time I'll do it. After this date or event, I'll stop. I'll be done. 
But unless we're being held accountable, unless we're, we're being vulnerable and showing people where we're hurting and where we're struggling, nobody's going to be there to help us and walk us through it. It's that openness and, the, and that vulnerability. The word create here in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word bara. It's the word means to, to cut, to carve. Now, the youth might recognize some of this phrasing from um, our trip to Fuge. But a theme throughout, throughout that week was our restoration. And I used in several conversations this example of we're just this big pile of rock, rough, ragged, and God is chiseling away. And sometimes some big chunks are cracking and breaking off. Sometimes we need the people around us to hold us accountable and help us take off those chunks. Some of us are hiding some deep, deep, deep hurts and sins. And they're manifesting themselves in, in our attitudes on Sunday morning. They're manifesting th- themselves in, in our demeanor, in our, in our ability to love each other and be with each other and worship an awesome God with an awesome worship team. We have, again, a new hope. We have all those little things now. We, we have that, that polish. There's so many awesome things that are tightening and getting better and making us more open and, and more capable of bringing people in and sharing what we have. And so this, this chisel, this, uh, this chisel just keeps hammering away, revealing to us what's underneath. And so I'm going to jump a little further ahead here to verse 18 where David writes, do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Zion represents God's people. We know that today as the church. We're the the church. We should be different. We should look different. When people see us out there, they should respond by noticing that we have a joy in our brokenness that they may not have. So good, do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Zion represents the whole body of God's people. David is enabling us to see the relationship between our own spiritual health and the well-being of the whole body. The whole body of Christ here. We are, and this is a big word, but this is the best word I could find to describe it. We are inextricably connected. That means impossible to disentangle or separate. We are intertwined and interspersed. We are wrapped together and scattered throughout Cape Coral, throughout the world, to share the gospel. And as a body, we're connected to each other. As a body, we are, again, scattered throughout with each other to share the word of God, to share this gospel, to share this truth. And so this this full picture of Christ is 
just strewn throughout David's psalm. And in verse 7, he says, Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And in verse 8, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And David doesn't understand the full picture of Christ here. He, He doesn't fully get it. He doesn't fully understand what's to be done. That this gracious, loving God that he knows and he's already praying toward, that he's already broken toward right now. He he doesn't know how beautiful that gospel is going to be. But he trusts God to take care of it. In verse 14, he says, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. He essentially murdered a man to cover up his sin. But he says, oh God of my salvation, my, my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. I feel it in my broken bones. And verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken, contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. We can come to God with our praises. We can come to God with, with our excitement for what he's doing in our life. But that usually has to be preceded with coming to him with our brokenness. Showing him that we know. He knows we know. But being honest with ourselves, being honest with our family, being honest with those around us. Your sin, or maybe just your struggle, that you're trying to head off alone is holding a gap between you and your family. Maybe your sin, your struggle, isn't adultery or murder like David's. But it sure is eating you up inside. And hindering your ability to be close to the people sitting right beside you. Don't come in here shelled up. Come in here vulnerable and open and excited to praise God together and be open and broken together. Because if we, if we put so much emphasis on the consequences of our sin, and that's all that we put the emphasis on, I want you to walk out the door with this. If we put so much emphasis on that, that brokenness, that we, on our consequences, that we don't emphasize the grace of Jesus Christ on that cross. The grace in God's love for us that he died for us, that he died in our place on that cross. If we, if we emphasize those consequences over the grace of Jesus and the cross and his resurrection, then we are wasting that beauty of the gospel. We are wasting our efforts to show how beautiful that picture of grace is. And so David knows that grace, and, and he even goes back and, uh, you know, Psalm 32 is written after Psalm 51, but Pastor David preached about this a few weeks ago. And verse 3, 
David writes, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. His broken bones and his bones wasting away. I don't want you to sit here today and just be hearing my words, me talking. I want you to hear the, the scripture. I want you to hear the word of God imploring you and pushing you to be vulnerable today, to be open and honest with each other. I'm going to give a little invitation um, of just having you stand. Not all of you, um, unless all of you want to stand, but if you are in this room today and you are harboring or holding on to or pulling those weights to the side and you're just wanting and begging someone to come help hold your arms up, you need it. The weight's getting heavier. God, I, I ask that, that God would move in this room this morning. That he would move in each and every one of you. That if you are feeling that hurt and that struggle, that, that, that thing you just want to get out. You don't have to go and immediately after you stand up, say, hey, I'm doing this. and This is where I'm messing up. But I just, I just know that you're feeling it this morning. I know that at least somebody is. And so if, if you are feeling that sin or that struggle, that need for someone to help hold your arms up, that, that need for someone to hold you accountable and, and talk to you and pray with you, I want you to stand up right now. I'm already standing. I need it. I'm already standing right here in front of you. If I were sitting out there, I'd stand up too. If you are feeling that pull for someone to come alongside of you and pray with you this morning and love you through your hurt and your struggle, again, now is the moment to stand. Yeah. I can do it myself. I can do it myself. All right, well, I truly did expect someone to stand. I truly expected someone in here to stand up. But that's fine. That's all right. This isn't your last chance. You don't leave this room. We don't end worship today and walk out of this room and that privilege or that moment pass. Our ability to stand up and be vulnerable with each other extends beyond this room extends beyond right now, beyond this moment. But I'll stand up and be vulnerable with you and say, I love you guys. From the little ones all the way up, I love you. And I trust that God's word here with David, I trust that how he moved through Nathan to hold David accountable, that we would hear and see that, that picture. And when we ask that question, how vulnerable does God expect us to be with each other? The answer is that he expects us 
to be intertwined, connected, be his people, and be vulnerable with each other. It's if we love each other, then we surrender our walls. We, we surrender our, I can do it myself. And we're open to what Jesus can do in this room. So I'm going to pray, um, and the worship team is going to come back up, and I'm going to give a few moments of, of invitation for you this morning. God, I thank you for, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you moved in King David's life and how you draw us to worship you. God, in our brokenness, God, that you draw us to you. God, this morning, that you would be here in this place. That if there's anyone in this room who is believing in your word for the first time this morning, is believing in Jesus Christ as their Savior, his death on that cross in their place, his resurrection to give us life. They're believing that for the first time this morning that they would have the vulnerability to stand up and walk forward this morning. But God, if there's anyone in here who wants to join our church, join our body, be connected with us, and be vulnerable with us to be a part of that love. God, they would also feel that, that urging and excitement to come forward this morning. And God, the altar is always open during this song. God, that you would move if nobody stood up, but they felt like they needed to have them stand up and come down and pray this morning during this invitation. God, it's in your precious name that I pray. Thank you so much for listening this week to the New Hope Church podcast. If you live in and around Cape Coral, Florida, we would love to have you visit our church campus. If you would like some more information about us, we can be found at www.NewHopeCapeCoral.com.